0: landscape photography world, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This week I'm talking to Craig McGowan about his motivations for getting into landscape photography along with a range of other topics I hope you'll find interesting. Craig is based in Brisbane and looks to explore new and interesting locations as often as possible to capture nature's beauty. He's particularly passionate about being by the water, and many of his images reflect the emotions these visits provide. He loves to capture stunning sunrise and sunset images, long exposures and scenes of moving water and clouds. We talk about how he got started in photography through his job and how it has become a place of serenity and release from the stresses of everyday life talk about how he draws inspiration from a range of sources and locations, the impact social media is having attracting people to locations, along with a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Craig. Welcome to the podcast. How are you going? Good, thanks, Grant. Thanks for the invite. Oh, pleasure, mate. It's uh, good to talk to you. I've been following your stuff for a bit and uh, quite happy to have you on. Very pleased that you've uh, said yes um why don't we start with how you got started in photography where 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 did uh you know craig get into it and um and why
1: all right then a long time ago after the earth cooled um my first camera was um, as a teenager with my own money i bought an olympus om1 manual slr and uh, i was fascinated by the technology but i also had a Uh, a deep interest in photography Um, my dad used to take slide photos and um, i I just had that interest that i uh, uh, bubbled to the top where i spent enough money and bought myself a camera i uh, used to press the button very carefully because i knew each shot was going to cost me more money getting it developed and processed um i did that for a couple of years i suppose and um around 18 or thereabouts i uh, got a license could go to hotels and there was the opposite sex so that consumed a lot of my time and slowly but surely my olympus slowly moved to the back of the um, back of the shelf in the in the bedroom but nevertheless i i really enjoyed the photography the only thing i always remember to this day was the disconnect between me taking a photo and a few weeks or months time getting those prints back um so the the what was there in the moment when i pressed the button not wasn't necessarily there when i was looking at the uh yeah, there, was, the there prints, was so. no
0: instant gratification back in those days none
1: yeah. whatsoever just a cost um <laughs> but nevertheless i i, I think i learned a lot and i, I was comfortably uh, comfortable with where i was um, taking a photograph in regard to aperture iso shutter speed i would learned enough to drive the camera how i thought i needed to drive it so that was about it for my teenage years and i didn't really touch cameras or any sort of photography again till i was in my mid-20s and um my my then job Uh, required me to use a camera in some um, uh, situations now i wasn't a photographer i wasn't employed as a photographer but as a as a side to my job i had to take photos uh again it was still all film we were using and uh, we had to we had to do the films and we came back and we were taught how to use the darkroom so we had to process our own negatives and do our own prints now normally that wasn't the case but nevertheless Uh, went through quite an arduous process with um, the people in charge of the photographic area uh, learning more about photography and it was then i realized that what i learned as a teenager was a good start but i knew nothing and uh, so for a few years i I was taking a lot of photos albeit as i say it wasn't my main job we predominantly used 400 iso Black and white film or a thousand ISO black and white film. And um, away we went. And so uh, it was good. Uh, I did that, as I say, for three years. And then I moved position within the organization. And again, my camera and photography uh, skills and interest and knowledge were basically parked. Yeah. Uh, moved forward to maybe a decade ago, around a decade ago, um, I purchased my first DSLR. And uh, I think, like lots of people, time's an issue, it was not a a hobby, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I um, was fortunate enough at that stage, I was living in Western Australia, in Perth, and uh, I put myself um, into a couple of courses, Uh, they were run by um, Christian Fletcher, Tony Hewitt, uh, and it was perhaps more of the artistic and the creativity side, albeit that um, the course also. Uh, propped up Lightroom and Photoshop for people who hadn't seen it before, which I was one of those. And really, that was the start of where I am today, it really whetted my appetite. I thoroughly enjoyed both shooting and then coming home and seeing what I've got and having a play with that um like a lot of people I, I was on time poor or certainly was more time poor then and so it was only rare that i could uh could get out with the camera but uh, as as we move forward to 2021 uh, and hopefully beyond i'm getting a better balance and able to spend more time behind the camera shooting and, and whatever necessary doing any um processing uh, subsequent to that
0: yeah cool so what are, what is it about adventure and landscape and nature photography i guess that makes you get out there and and, and do it
1: i think initially it was out of the office um, when i got back into photography uh, around 2011 2012 i um, was office bound four walls and that was my job and to be able to get out when i wasn't working and just go anywhere and western australia is absolutely stunningly beautiful you don't have to go far to find somewhere pretty um it was just a, a relief from that but what i did find over time that initially it was the escapism from the office but that sort of diminished in time and it was actually i was looking forward to going out taking photos in beautiful locations and you know quite often not so beautiful locations so it was um, exploring going to new places i hadn't been to before and um, uh, without getting too far ahead for anyone that's ever seen anything of my stuff i do often repeat go back to locations I've shot previously and shoot again and I I have no problem at all doing that sometimes I'm looking for better weather sometimes I just want to fix up the muck-ups I made the previous time and 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 thirdly sometimes they're just great locations Yeah, um I don't care which beach you're on at sunrise it's a damn good start to the day for me so I enjoy being down there with my camera
0: are there any particular spots that are your favorites that you that you just keep getting drawn back to and
1: um when i was living in western australia i used to go down to the southwest down around the margaret river region and there's just some fantastic places down there and the coastlines varying from quite sandy beaches to very rocky um you are predominantly facing west but there are a few places that you can get different uh points of view so you can actually get the sun um rising over water in a, in a couple of spots down there so uh um it's no trick of the the the, the shooter or the, or the digital photography processing the actual sun comes up over the water and uh, away you go so look I, i've always liked down the dunsborough way and down that bottom tip um, down there um, i'm now currently uh living in brisbane and I, I don't know whether i've got a favorite location but i'm still drawn to the water regardless of whether that's down the gold coast or some of the um the beaches around here in moreton bay closer to the city uh to get by the water and uh get the camera out and see what happens
0: yeah cool so what uh is it that motivates you creatively in terms of you know when you're looking at a a composition or looking for a composition what are the what are the things that you know get your motors running
1: um, I, I, besides trying to capture a moment if it's a particularly stunning scene i i enjoy the challenge of i i thoroughly enjoy looking at other people's photography and that's what i spend more time doing i suppose than anything else is sitting at home at night um, just scanning other people's photos either their websites or social media and i'm often in awe of some of the people and and the results they get now some are heavily processed i i accept that and there's you know whether you like that or you're you're not in that camp Um, some are but others are quite they could have been or if they are processed they're very difficult to tell and they look like they're just out of the camera Mm -hmm. um so for me i think I want to try and aim to get that sort of result in my photography. I, I'm, I'm certainly, I'd be the first person to say I'm, I'm not an artistic person per se. And um, an example I'd, I'd give you, Grant, uh, many years ago, I was um, on a hike in Patagonia and there was a group of people, uh, I was with a group of people, sorry, and this lady um, had bought a new camera system, which she was having trouble operating. And so quite often we found ourselves waiting for her as she got her camera set up and got the shot she wanted. Um, I must admit at the end of that, that hike and looking at her shots, I just wanted to delete all mine. Whilst um, she might've not, she certainly wasn't mucking about because she wanted to, but her composition, her focal length, and she might have only been 20 metres or 50 metres down the, the path from me, but her shots were postcard shots. And like I say, I got back very despondent thinking, eh, some of these are just straight up worth deleting. Um, so I thought, I, I, and it was then I realised I have a lot to learn to get to a level that I want to be at. Um, I you with know, whether people like my work or not, doesn't matter, but that's where I want to head.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I guess just talking about that, how do you feel uh you know or or how do you deal with that feeling of you know comparing what somebody else has been able to achieve on a on a similar trip you know i mean i i know i've stood next to other photographers and you know they've come away with absolute bangers while i've come away with dross or what i think is dross anyway um and I, I guess you know one of the things that i try not to do is do that comparison because everyone's at different levels but how do you how do you deal with that,
1: that deal? um look, I, I, it doesn't bother me I, I don't necessarily compare apples to apples so no. i'm trying to think if I, I if i go to the daintree rainforest i'll take my photos of the daintree rainforest and whenever i get i get Now yeah. i've also we've looked at other people's photos and it doesn't necessarily mean i've got to go and stand in that spot and take yeah. that shot so um, perhaps all the good shots yeah you know, i don't know it's an argument there um, is there any new unique compositions to be made in iconic locations i don't know but i suppose the one the one thing that comes to mind from your question is you go to a spot a few times and someone else goes there and gets a banger of a sunrise or something quite atmospheric yeah. and you think oh man I was just out of luck i can't jag that so that's sort of a disappointment but that's nature I, I, that doesn't bother me it's just well good on you you got a good shot and i'll go back and see if i can get it better so i, I don't see it as a competition per se i I, I just look, like looking at other people's photos and imagery and seeing some of the results they get and i think well i'd like to achieve that it might not even be in a similar location it could be somewhere different
0: yeah so are you are you looking for that unique angle or that unique composition when you're out trying to, you know, work out where to stand the tripod or where to stand and you know, or are you happy to, you know, take, you know, I mean, if let us say you're visiting Sydney, you know, you take the the Sydney Opera House, well, there's the front on shot, there's the side on shot, and there's a couple of rear shots that you can you can kind of take. But beyond that, there's not many other angles where you can get to, you know. But
1: um, I'd possibly go to a place and try and scout it out myself and and take a few shots depending upon how much time I've got. Certainly, um, I know in far north Queensland, um, when, when the sunrise or sunset, and you might get some stunning colours. They last for seconds. They don't last for long. Whereas if you're further away from the equator, you might have time to move around if that's the sort of... Um, uh, mood or atmosphere you're trying to achieve in an image yeah. uh, but i will move around and I, I, i'm i'm not i'm not backward in going as i'm leaving the scene taking the shot that everyone else takes so going to the point where it's the instagram photo <clears throat> and that's more just out of <clears throat> pardon me that's just out of interest and in it's just a throwaway shot at the end i suppose but i don't see that as the hero shot of the day nor was it the reason i went to that location to to shoot the sydney harbour was to get that iconic shot of the harbour bridge if i can find a good angle if i can find good light well fantastic
0: yeah cool cool
1: i think that's a great attitude too you know because
0: otherwise you you do end up either just repeating what everyone else has done or you you know you you sometimes and i i I know around sydney I've, i've done it myself you know you're trying to you're trying to look for that unique spot or that you, you, you need know, that unique angle and uh you know sometimes you sometimes you know sometimes you just don't get you know what what you might be thinking of that brings me i guess to the question around do, do you go into the field with a concept in your mind about what it is that you're trying to uh capture or are you you know rather you know going out reacting to
1: both conditions and the landscape um if i'm getting up early and going somewhere specific i'll have an idea in mind i just it's, i think from experience just rocking up and thinking it's all going to fall into place mm-hmm. um, more often than not it doesn't so I'll, I'll do um whatever research i need to do to satisfy myself that there's something there worth um, capturing and what it is uh, perhaps it could be as far out as um, i've got a little project I'm, I'm chipping away out at the moment but i need it to be winter and um, for me what i want to achieve is only in winter so i've got a couple of locations pegged out but now i need the the winter or the climatic conditions yeah, to yeah, do yeah. there yeah. and Um, from past experience sometimes i come home and i've got something really good that i'm happy with that gives me i can further and other times i got the shot i wanted but it's just flat that all the the the, you know the series of shots i've wanted but i'm not happy with them so whether i go back or just give up it depends on the circumstance
0: sure sure so you're heading out and um you know scouting locations beforehand if you can or are you you know, relying on things like Google maps or other tools to, to try and sort of nut out where, where to be
1: a a, a raft of things. It it can be Google maps. It could be just a photo I've seen somewhere, not even when I've been particularly searching, someone has gone to one of the Tarkine forests in Tasmania, whatever. And you think, wow, look at that. And that image, if it holds my eye long enough, it gets me thinking, well, what can I do? Yeah. Could, I, could I do something down there? And, and places where you've got to travel far, it's a bit hard. You, you, you can't just sort of uh, go down and spend a week scouting about and then get set up and take your photos. Well, not, most people can't. Um, but I, I think because where I live, I can travel, you know, within a hundred or a couple of hundred Ks from here, I do return. And sometimes it's only after I've looked at my own shots i've realized actually that compositions i'm not happy with the position i'm not happy with and out of the series of shots you might get enough information or i get enough information to say well i can go back now and now i know where i really need to be i don't have a good eye just to walk up to a scene i mean i use my phone i walk around taking shots with my phone and look at the screen and say oh yeah that looks okay or it doesn't and then I'll either set up a tripod or keep moving about. But I don't think I'm proficient enough in that to trust my eye on the morning or on the day. And so quite often I'll take a series of shots. And if I need to go back, well, I will when I can. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's not a bad approach. Um, I mean, I, I I probably take a little bit more of a laissez-faire approach myself, but, um, you know, that's, uh, to, to each their own. Do you have uh a particular style or flavor or a specific feeling i guess that you're looking for and you know how how would you describe it
1: i i like um nature and i like the i've historically liked the large uh, panoramic landscape scenes mm-hmm. um, in more recent years i think i have started to head towards the more intimate scenes with detail and i'm i'm slowly i see myself when i look at you know a shoot come back from a shoot and download quite often i'll start off very wide but then i'll, I'll change my composition totally so I, I like the nature i i don't like pro over processing although if you look at some of my city shots when i can't get out i do whatever i need to do just to get them to sort of have a bit of bling um but my my nature shots i try to try to look pretty much leave as in camera i certainly don't um, add or take things away Um, i might clean up the edges of an image but i i I think the shots that bring me most enjoyment when I'm viewing is somewhere that you can look at a scene and you think, "Well, that's quite that just looks as you would expect to see it if you went there." It's a natural-looking scene. It's not overcooked in the processing sense, and it's got enough detail and things happening that hold your eye. That it's not a quick glance and um, and you move away. And I suppose it's not a landscape example I give, but. I've really enjoyed looking at other people's photos of polar bears Yeah, and m- most of them, I mean, people will say, well, I've took this in Canada or I took this in the Arctic, whatever. And very true, but sometimes you can't tell it could have been taken in the zoo. Yeah. But there's a, a, a Norwegian gent and I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he takes a lot of images of polar bears and they're silhouetted. So he's basically, I think shooting into the light mm-hmm. And for me, Every time I see one of those, I just stare at it, it really holds my eye. And I think, well, in that sort of sense, that's the type of shot I'd like to aspire to without copying him per se. And I'm, I'm, you know, he's not the per- first person to do a silhouette shot of an animal, you know, what, people or whatever, yes. but I just a really, a very artistic shot that holds your eye, but it's, there's enough information there that you can work out what's happening and you know, what's going on in the scene. Yeah, I think that's what
0: uh, everyone's trying to aspire to uh, uh, in, in some ways, you know, that they want somebody to sit there and look at it and appreciate it for, for what it is, you know. And, you know, I mean, I, I I I can't say I've achieved it too many times, but I know, I know I've nailed a couple of shots, <laughs> you know. The you
1: know, interesting thing people. I've noticed, Grant, is that my favourite shot will change, evolve over time. So, what was my favourite shot when I come home might be different than if I go and look at it again in six months, twelve months time. Absolutely. But interestingly, everyone else has a different view. You know, I've got my, um, you know, the family of critics that will um, give you uh, <laughs> give you advice and recommendations whether you're ready or not. But and it's often interesting because what you know for me might be an image that's just okay. They really like, and they go back to, and they comment on it a couple of times, and I think, well, I'm missing something there. And Vicky Burke, my favourite, one, everyone goes ho hum and and uh, continues on, so yeah. it's a very subjective thing, very subjective.
0: Absolutely. How do you, how do you deal like with the uh, response that you get on social media, in particular? You know, um, I, I mean, er, everyone tends to get uh some level well, well certainly when you reach a certain level you get some level of people saying oh that's not real or you know so forth have you got much of that or you know is, is that just something that you don't see
1: um no i do get it and, and the one which I've, uh, I've actually copped a fair bit of abuse but i, I don't i don't engage i just let people think. i i took a shot um in the mount cook national park which i've only just recently posted a month or a couple of months ago sure. and i'm taking a shot of the the mountains and the milky way above the mountains and there was fog and low level cloud in there and just as i'm taking the shot a damn car comes out and, and illuminates the fog and it, I, again for me it wasn't my first wasn't my takeaway for the night because that wasn't what i was trying to shoot Anyway, I've posted it and lots of people like it and but I've had so many comments that I've actually doctored that shot. And <laughs> I've either, you know, whatever I've done, I've done, but it's not real. And yeah. um, it was just one of those things. I didn't want the car. I didn't, well, it was on it was a quiet road. I didn't even think there was any cars down there. But all of a sudden the headlights come on and now it comes out of the fog. And, and that was the resulting shot. So um you know people will think what they think and i don't think even if i sent them a raw file they'd still think what they think i'm not going to waste any time trying to convince them otherwise but having said that some people have actually asked and i went to the trouble of explaining online how it came about and what i did because people are genuinely interested sometimes
0: yeah yeah no definitely Where, where do you sit with things like geotagging and you know Talking about locations and and so forth.
1: I used to do it religiously, but I've come to learn. <laughs> and I've benefited from it clearly. I, I you know I looked yeah, yeah. at someone's stunning shot and where's this around in Sydney Harbour. I'm not from Sydney. I don't know. I want to go to that area and see what I can do. So, look, I have benefited from it, but I'm, I'm acutely aware it's doing a lot of damage in some circumstances and especially where it's on private property people are just saying well you know, the original person who took the shop might have had permission from the farmer or whoever but all of a sudden people just rocking up at all hours of day and night to get their version of it uh, yeah it comes uh, there is some damage there yeah. so i am a bit more careful now if it's just a if it's a car park at a public beach well that's fine i'll do that if it's not I, i'll possibly just don't just to do I might say well it's in Brisbane or it's in whatever
0: yeah I mean I'm, I've sort of taken to a, a similar sort of you know thing if it if it's an urban environment I'm less worried about it because you know they're you know fairly fairly well known at least the ones I'm taking they're fairly well known yeah harbour breeds the city it's it's not <laughs> hard to find um but you know if it's uh you know in in some of the more delicate areas you know in national parks and so forth i'm, I'm a lot more circumspect than i used to be you know
1: well in 2019 i went to that what is it helensville tunnel the, helensburg the yeah, yeah helensburg and evidently that got shut shortly thereafter now i'm not sure if it was because of photographers or other reasons but when i went there man there was a lot of people there <laughs>
0: yeah no, i've 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 been there and you know particularly when it does rain i mean the groundwater there is fairly polluted which is you know not not overly pleasant to walk through when it's raining, in, in particular um but i think one of the main reasons why it got closed was because the um glow worms that actually live in the tunnel were starting to noticeably suffer from the yes. volume of traffic, and of course, people using flash and lights in there. That, that you know, basically, what you're doing if you do that in a glowworm tunnel is you're interfering where they're feeding. Yes, so, yeah, you know, they're they're in the dark. They're using that light to attract insects, or you know, whatever their food you know happens to be. So that that that's the main reason why that ended up getting shut uh from from that's at least my my understanding of it um i don't know if it's reopened since or not but um you know it takes them some years to to recover i think to the the, the glow worms they're a, they're a fairly delicate thing i mean okay. in sydney i mean every everybody knows where the tunnel is i think you know there's very few people that are you know photographers that haven't been now i've been there myself you know back back before it before it was closed but um you know. And that, those sorts of places, um, you know, I, I think you have got to be a bit careful in terms of, I've seen some stunning shots there, I've seen some stunning shots with the glowworms, um, you know, as as part of it as well. But um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, having seen some locations get trashed, and that's something that I was going to ask you as well, have you seen some? you know have you been to locations where there's been sort of damage from humans human trafficking
1: rubbish um Um, again whether it was actual photographers or just other people i i don't know Um, yeah yeah. um off the top of my head i can't i can't think of anything particular i could say was a, a photographer per se but uh clearly there's you you get to um to a point where it is place you perhaps a ridge where you put your tripods and there's rubbish behind it so other people have been there before me that have chosen not to take the stuff back to their car or whatever yeah, mm.
0: so. yeah it's a it's a shame that people uh are, are like that it's uh, it's never I, I i actually take a a little um it's like a what's he, shopping bag nylon shopping bag which folds up. Okay. Oh, I take one of those with me. I know uh, I've used it on quite a few occasions. There was a, a waterfall up in the central coast, Giracle Falls. it was there. And um uh in around the edge of the pool there, there was uh probably about half a dozen um uh cans, you know, from where mm-hmm. somebody'd gone down and had a had a few drinks and uh they'd left their um their cans of uh bourbon and coke or whatever they were, mixes. Uh you know beside the edge of the pool and they were all empty so you know it's uh it, it's a real thing and it's a real, real problem i think you know and yeah you know, whether they were photographers or whether they were less serious photographers just there for you know an instagram shot or whether they were there just for a picnic or a drink or whatever i don't know it doesn't matter you know if you if you're in a beautiful spot don't mess it up yeah you know?
1: precisely yes yeah.
0: So what's the most notable experience you've had uh, while you're taking photos?
1: Um, I think I, I went to um, uh, Svalbard Archipelago um, back in 2018 and whilst I, I was there predominantly to shoot landscapes which you know very fortunate to do i did see the polar bears and that was just I'm, i've never been a, a wildlife or an animal photographer that's not a genre of photography that's actually interested me till then and uh, just was just amazing to see because they are inquisitive animals and they come to you yeah. and uh, like we're on a boat, so we're quite safe. But they want to come and see what's going on. They're, they're an apex predator, so they don't, they're not terribly fearful of much. Although I do believe understand that they, they you know, they're not humans aren't their preferred uh, company. But nevertheless, they come up to you. So that that was was was, um, um, was interesting. But I think for me, I'm I'm not sure. I've always struggled. If you ask me, well, you know, you asked me about photography. I'm as much a traveler as I am a photographer, I love, I've always loved travel, um, yes, in the last decade I've been taking photos, so to go somewhere I've not been before, and it could be just a national park in Australia somewhere, um, and there's plenty more I haven't yet seen, or it could be somewhere overseas, to get somewhere and to have this experience um and it's not necessarily that you've seen photos from an iconic location you just get there and immerse yourself um it's great and and sometimes if you're overseas it's the food and the accommodation and everything that goes with it um, i'm quite comfortable just getting a higher car and going with myself or i do go with friends and i have gone on um, photographic tours so but sometimes it just however the cards lay, i get a hire car and i drive myself wherever i am overseas and that's I'm, I'm, you know that's what i do and i'm very comfortable with that um but the thing i think the the takeaway the most notable is not necessarily the photograph i've met some amazing people i really have i've i, I not that everyone wants to talk to you and i certainly don't want to talk to everyone but you know you might meet a few people and you're keeping in touch with a couple and you know i've met some great people who are friends to this day through you know just standing out in an outcrop somewhere taking a few photos and maybe seeing them a few hours later and then catching up with them at the accommodation or at a bar and before you know it you've swapped um details and you know it just grows from there so from yeah. that aspect it, it's been a, it wasn't a dimension i ever intended to try and you know, um, mine but it's happened that way that i've, I've got um, a, a great cadre of well, what i call new friends in the last decade that I, I would never have got if i hadn't gone on some of these trips uh, both in australia and um, you know, the ones i've been fortunate enough to go overseas and uh,
0: do sure sure well that's great
1: so what what's the
0: furthest you've traveled to uh get a shot
1: um that's a good question i'll have to think about that uh i often well even here in brisbane i'll go a fair way west to take milky way shots now i don't need to go terribly far but Getting an exciting foreground here is a um, bit of a challenge sometimes. I mean, you can get out of the city, so you get into some reasonable dark squ- skies pretty quickly. Because I yeah. do like Way like photography or night photography. But to get something in the decent foreground, you've got to you've got to go a bit further. So I, I can um, you know, finish work and go a couple of hundred Ks out, get some shots and uh, come a couple of hundred Ks back and uh, be in bed not too late uh, for the next day. So that's okay. But in the sense of overseas, I, I don't know, like something like I spoke about, um, Felblight, that's you know, it's a long flight, long flights to get there and, uh, and a long, you know, it's expensive. It's not a cheap thing to do. So, yeah, you know, it's a bit think, of a um, bit of a hike. Uh, i'll do that again um, in six months time that's not really a well not an option for me and for most yeah. so um i've been to that some stunning locations uh like that but they're a long way away and uh you really the buy extra memory cards is a lot cheaper than having to go back and shoot it again
0: yeah definitely <laughs> definitely so what's what's your favorite overseas location
1: um Look, I really like. I've always liked Iceland. I, I first went to Iceland around 2010, and, and I had a camera, but it was sort of the camera was secondary. That was a touristy trip. Yep. Um, just got just got the hire car, and um, drove around. And it, it is such a stunningly beautiful country, uh, and and place. The only thing I would say is it, it's um, you know, it's um, it's been its own worst enemy because. People from all around the world go there. And um, what I was fortunate enough to do in 2010 and drive into a car park and have a waterfall with maybe 20 or 30 people around, and a lot of them not even photographers necessarily. Um, now you go there and there's tour buses and lots of hire cars and there's queues and places are fenced off and it's changed. Now they've obviously done that out of having to do that. Um, but but i think for me if it's not australia the best bang for buck is our neighbor the south island of new zealand man you can't yeah it's just stunning down there It is just yeah, stunning cool, yeah. i think stunningly beautiful and it has landscapes that we don't readily have here because of you know, you know your 10 000 foot mountains that drop straight into the um, um the sounds or the fjords um yeah. It's just you know, astonishing to the eye and great to capture on a cam-
0: uh, camera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd go along with you there on uh, New Zealand, but uh, great value for money, particularly for for Australians. And you know, I mean, pre COVID, it was starting some some areas in the South Island. I know in talking to some of the other photographers over there, they they were starting to struggle with managing the volume of people running around. You know trying to trying to get the the instagram shot or whatever um but you know post COVID, it's going to be interesting to see how these places sort of deal with that because you know in in some places i mean iceland certainly you know when you were there i'm quite sure you'd noticed uh there wasn't really the infrastructure to deal with vast numbers of people you know even in Reykjavik, the the capital there you know yes um, and I mean it's, it's interesting how much photography and social media has, has made a change to that tourist experience and the, the volume of people going to some of these locations It's, uh, it's something- The
1: accessibility I suppose these days like I mean not that it was really on my radar but going overseas as a young bloke it wasn't just wasn't an option but um, you know, I think for a lot of people now it's not a huge well not a huge cost for some people who just can't afford it but it's it's an achievable or reachable cost if you want to do it and um, um but uh, just to finish off on your question I, I i've not been everywhere in australia as i said and i don't want to start an online war but for me Karajini national park in western australia is the best place in australia i've been it's yeah. just another world It's. um i've been there uh, i went there when i was living in perth living in western australia but i i, I want to go back and go back again because the, the gorges there are, uh, are, are beautiful just stunningly pe- beautiful pieces of nature
0: absolutely yeah no it's uh, it's one place i i still haven't uh, managed to get to i've done a done a bit of the Kimberley and um you know sort of northern territory but yeah still haven't managed to get to carol genie or um you know shark bays another one on my list and um i got got a very very long list yeah
1: (laughs) yeah well i think as fast as i'm ticking locations off you're adding the list's just growing faster than i can uh, cut it down i was
0: i was talking to my wife actually earlier today where um she hasn't seen her parents in the uk for uh, well since before lockdown i think it was 2018 anyway um you know so we're sort of planning our next trip over there and you know where where do we want to go and where do we want to take the uh the the in-laws and so forth and you know it's uh it's a it's an interesting experience sitting there and saying oh well i could do a side trip up to the orkneys or to faroes or <laughs> well the
1: Scottish highlands do offer a lot so yeah i know, I know. you're um you're in the right part of the, the or country right? so just...
0: or wales or you know yeah. yeah. <laughs> stay on the mainland so yeah we're we're sort of, sort of sort of planning that next trip and uh trying to work out what we what we include what we drop off and how long we're gonna gonna have to uh hang around there but um certainly we're,
1: we're we're blessed and it is but we also have that tyranny of distance here um, Absolutely, yeah. you know I, I was um i went up to longreach and um, drove out to winton and beyond and coming back that night it was just not like you, you drive a couple of hundred k's and you don't pass a thing yeah. Um, yeah, in the uk i don't think you go a couple of hundred meters at any time of day or night and you you'd have oncoming traffic or whatever yeah. um so you know it, it's hard to get to for us but man there's just nothing out there to um, um you know get in their way when we're out there
0: absolutely yeah it's one of the things i like about getting out in, in, into the bush in australia is the the remoteness of it and the fact that you know you can as you said you can drive for hours and not pass another car you know or be passed by another car. Yes. Yeah. so when you uh i i guess looking at your processing um sorry i'll start that again when you're looking at your processing workflow um you'd say you'd want to try to keep things natural as possible so does that mean a minimal touch to your processing or do you you know what, what's what sort of things are you actually focusing on
1: um well, i'll answer that in two parts i suppose grant and my first comment would be don't follow what I do but I bring everything into Lightroom and I use Lightroom as my catalog and my um storage repository for a want of a better term um and most I'd say uh, 90% of my images that I would uh, post or put out um, I just done a Lightroom. Um, and a 10% where I've I've got a particular trouble, I've got some banding, or something's happened that shouldn't have happened, I'll I'll go over to um Photoshop. But to, to so that's the first part, but to go back to your, your main point there. Um I really I've historically done mainly global adjustments, cleaned up things got rid of dust spots um, adjusted perhaps the contrast contrast in in a particular area Uh, sometimes adjusted the colors Uh, when i say that either adding saturation or decreasing saturation Um, just small fixes as i say yeah if it's a beach and it's a beautiful sandy beach but just on the the bottom corner there's a couple of rocks i might take the rocks out but yeah small pebbles but shells but I don't, I don't sort of wholesale change it um most of just i'd say 99 of my photos i wait if there's people around i wait till they move so if it's a big shot or whatever um i'm not a big people person in my photography um and i haven't met too many landscape
0: photographers who are <laughs> uh
1: but most people would thank me for that if they see what i do if i took a photo of them but I, look i notice uh, there's a quarter um uh, a lot of photos on the internet of landscapes with somebody just to give it scale and i must admit sometimes that's really good when you're looking at a scene that's a bit hard to work out uh, am i looking just 10 meters ahead or am i looking a thousand meters ahead you have a person that might be way out of out of you know close range but it just gives you some scale to the um to the scene and context so it does work but historically i don't have people so i don't have to do any of that sort of work um look i don't really do a lot i might i think in more recent times um i'm trying to selectively have um, adjust contrast in a particular thing so um, i'm trying to think of a, something if it's if it's a a natural scene uh, um, a dirt road and got trees either side i might try and bring out the contrast a bit in the trees and a bit of color i might um, look at um, i don't know just softening the road up a little bit um, yeah. just just to try and, well, if where do, where do I want to look at the scene and what would I like other people to do? Now, I'm still experimenting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm any good at it, but I, I try that. And sometimes I just can it and start again. Other times I think, actually, that's okay. Um, the one thing I learned long ago for me is if I do do anything, to so sit on it. And I usually sit on it, it can be for one month, three months or more. And coming back with fresh eyes is the best thing. Um, like i say i either just reset everything and start again or sometimes i think i well, actually there's something there i can work with um i i suppose again i'm just going on from looking at other photos where you might um, want to emphasize the foreground if it's um you know something in the water you want to bring out and the the the, the horizon and everything that's on the horizon is less interesting well flatten that out lower the contrast lower the colors and and see if it works um um, sometimes it looks okay sometimes it doesn't look okay so each image as i keep finding out is um is different and unique and and the other thing i'm I'm just getting into now this what i call late on is getting into printing and i i must say that has quite dramatically changed my post-processing and it's even gotten me now starting to think when I take a photo how would that look in print what's what's it going to do and how how what am I trying to say here or represent and it's uh, I'm going through a huge learning curve at the moment with the printing but that is I think in turn helping me with my post-processing yeah,
0: I think that's something a lot of landscape photographers go through when they do start either printing for themselves or printing for friends and family or printing for sale, you know, is that what works necessarily on a screen and what you what you might like to look at on a screen doesn't necessarily hang that well on the wall and, you know, sometimes vice versa too.
1: Well, I, 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 I found out pretty much how you explained it there. I was fortunate that I've had people approach me wanting to buy a couple of minutes now, very small in, in, in total quantity. That's for sure. Um, But I always take sending the prints off to a professional printers and they were giving me back exactly what I'd asked for and they weren't good um now it wasn't the print companies it was just my preparation preparing the file to print it was just lacking it wasn't ready and um, perhaps sometimes my choice of media print media and a few other things the prints came back and i wasn't you percent know, 100 satisfied and uh, you know i think now i'm much better versed to say whether i print in-house or if it's a large print and I have to send it out, I know what I want and I know, you know, if it, if it, if it's how oh, I'm happy with the result or not.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely definitely an advocate for uh, you know talking and you know communicating clearly what it is that you're trying to get out from your your printer. You know, if you can strike up a good relationship with your, your printer, it goes a hell of a long way to making your prints look good because they can give you some advice on things that you can do before they get hold of the file i mean they may or may not depending on you know who who you go with you know if you chuck it up on uh what's it called snapfish or one of them you know you're going to get whatever you've processed it you know so <laughs> they, they they don't take a look at it and they don't make any adjustments to it some other no. people will do that for you though
1: well fortunately the one the ones close by here in uh where i live in in inner brisbane um they're, they're quite good that you can give them um instructions um and, and quite often you know if you want quite a large print they might say "What's well, it's a 10 or 15 dollar extra yeah. um but what i've found is if i can get the print right on my machine with the paper i want and they use that paper i can also just fling them a um a hard copy of the print this is how it looks when i do it and 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 um you know it might be short cutting i don't know what you want to call it but you get the result you want Um, this is how i want it to look and that's what i get back Mm -hmm.
0: have you got any tips for people that are prepping an image for printing to you know the things they need to look out for
1: um, well, the first thing that I is compare when I compare preparing an image to put on Instagram or even on my web page versus printing, the amount of dust spots I miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, that's possible. That might be just me, but I was astounded that um, you know where you've got a bit of uh, uh, linear space that's not sort of uh, much detail. If there's a dust spot it jumps out. Um, I'm, I'm, look, I'd still say I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the learning phase, but things like um, if you're printing on a matte paper, you've really got to bring the darks down. Um, yep. You might have to increase the saturation. You may have to readjust your sharpening. But again, it's a, I think it's a very much a personal taste because each image is different. And yep. the amount of detail you might like in your shadows when you process the shot and what I might like could be two totally different things and there's not a right or wrong it's just a personal choice but i i have found that some some images look better on matte paper um some might be a bit better on a what i call a pearl or whatever you might what might want to um uh classify it as but something with a little bit of sheen, and the pre- preparation for both those types of media is different mm. it's it's the results you get if you send the same file to the two different uh, print media they come out quite different so um, yeah. it's, um you certainly need to practice and and be prepared, I suppose, to burn some paper um, in the process to get it just right. Because I'm not skilled enough to be able to adjust it on the screen in a in a soft proof and it come out perfect. And maybe the uh, expert printers can, but i I've got a long way to go yet. Yeah,
0: I, I certainly admire those photographers that do print their own work and know how to how to manipulate both the print process as well as the the pre processing for for that. Uh, you know, I know, you know, when I've printed sort of some larger, uh, format, particularly on acrylic, you know, so it's like a metallic paper backing onto a, an acrylic, um, uh, front piece. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot more time on the, you know, that pre-processing and, you know, Possibly brightening brightening up some of the mid tones and some of the, the the upper ends of the shadows, but darkening down, as you say, some of the some some of the bottom end of the shadows as well. You know. Yes. So, yeah. You know, yeah. It's really a, a, a trying to get that mid tone contrast balance right is is, is you know particularly the, the larger you print, obviously, the more
1: noticeable those sorts of things are going to be. So. And the other thing which it's caused me to do, which is a a bit of a first world problem is that I I run two files in uh, Lightroom, you know, a a print version and what you call a screen version or, you know, um, because they're just too far, the adjustments are too far
0: apart. Your your print file looks rubbish on the screen.
1: (laughs) Precisely. Yeah, and Vicky Verka.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I've 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 learned that lesson uh, a, a couple of times. Uh, sent sent the wrong file. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, they've come back and said, Are you sure that's the one? And oh, I'm pretty sure. Hang on a sec. Oh no, not that one. <laughs> yeah. And it it's, can be a, an easy mistake to make. Yes, yes. Have you ever had a uh, you know a, a problem with you know photographers block or, or hit a creative wall and how did you handle it I,
1: I have sometimes i'll go for a period where i just don't even get the camera out um sometimes it's just you know the busyness of the day you know work whatever life getting in the way and so the camera sits there for months on end and doesn't really see the light of day um, other times again you know, i can go out to a place and i've got absolutely no idea what i'm going to shoot i i, I don't and i i think i've for me what works for me is in, instead of pushing myself too far I'm, i'll still get the camera out and take shots i'm better off just to have an easy session and come back and go when i'm in the right frame of mind um i i know uh, a couple of mates who actually get out there and they'll just knuckle down and go the hard yards but it doesn't seem to deliver for me the images i would want so i'm better off to use it more of a scouting mission have a look have a you know get a few sample shots and whatever and go back when i'm um, when i'm feeling energized or have that you know don't have that uh, the, the blockages or whatever you want to call them yeah no fair enough
0: What do you uh, do, I guess, when you, you know, you you hit that wall and you're sort of sitting there saying, okay, well, you know, do do you go and do something else or.
1: Um, quite often well, in recent times, because I've been getting into printing, if I, if I've gone out for a shoot and that hasn't worked, I've got so many images. On the system that I, I, I like to print, and I'm I, I I still I might not be interested in going out today to take a photo, but I'm still interested in learning more about printing. So I might just come home and spend a, you know, whatever time um, at home, you know, doing something I want to do. I, I watch a lot of. Um, videos listen to podcasts about printing and i'm going to do a, a course in the middle of the year on printing so very i'm sort cool. of got, i'm a bit of a sponge for information so i find that if i'm flat in the camera sense um, i just come back to back to home and you know come into the in the little room and uh, turn on the printer and start uh, experimenting there and that's sort of uh, before i know it, it's, the day's over
0: <laughs> very cool yeah that's uh, not a bad idea. It's not, not something that I've played around with a lot actually, but um, it might uh, might might look into that as a, a an exercise next time I'm uh, sort of not feeling the uh, the photography bug quite as much.
1: Well, part of me is I, I, I um thanks to um COVID, um, well not that I had it, but because of the lockdowns, I um, ended up getting a, a website up and running. And I was surprised that the interest that I don't the barring, I think I've got a link on my Instagram site and it's obviously connected to Google, like everyone else's websites, are. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really promote myself at all, but I've been surprised over the last sort of 18 months, the amount of inquiries I get now, you know, 99% of them uh, don't mean anything, but every so often, there, something comes through someone says well I would be interested in getting a print of this and yeah. then I look at the file that looks brilliant on screen and when I print it it's a dog's breakfast and I, I think i can't I can't send that and, I, and then I go into a mad meltdown while I'm trying to work out how I'm going to get re- resuscitate this dead image. It looks great on screen and someone's interested in, but it looks just appalling when I print it. So um there's a bit of rationale or reason besides I do get enjoyment from learning to print, but there is also a reason behind that is because yeah, well, if i'm going to say to people if you're interested you know contact me and i'll sell it sell you something if you're that interested i need to be able to follow through and do it properly and, and, um, and do it professionally that, that i'm proud to say well i'm happy with that and i hope you um you know are uh, too i hope you appreciate it
0: yeah definitely definitely what's your favorite thing and least favorite thing about being a photographer
1: um my favorite thing is getting outdoors that's that's uh, a country mile from everything else. Just getting out in nature, and be with a couple of mates, or be by myself here or anywhere in the the world. Um, the thing i don't like the most i think is when i need to go somewhere and i think HI needs two of us because we've got to go down this ravine and i can't find anyone and i, I you know i make a decision do i go by myself or don't i and, and, and it's just a safety thing really i um, um I, I don't mind bad weather that doesn't bother me because i think if i look through my catalog of work I've possibly got more shots I'm happy with in crappy weather than I have on a bright, bright blue sky. Or you know, yeah, more, more opportunities for interesting light. I've found it, much, much more. So yeah, it means I've got to get up early because although I, I'm a morning person anyway, so sunrise is often suit me better than sunsets just from a yeah. timing perspective. And good, good thing in the
0: east coast then.
1: <laughs> uh yeah and also there's what people around at sunrise you know in, in brisbane here if you get a stunning sunset man every man and his dogs out and yeah, rightly yeah. well, so but trying to get somewhere to perch your tripods uh, near impossible <laughs> in some locations um so the, you know the sunrise here we don't have daylight saving so in the middle of summer you've got to get up a bit after 3am yeah. and so that's not so much fun even though i'm a morning person getting up at you know 10 past three quarter past three and so i can drive to wherever i need to be for you know before blue hour starts oh man it makes the day drag on yeah, <laughs> once I'm I, home.
0: I know exactly what you mean i'm i'm an hour from the the nearest beach and i do a lot of beach photography so it's oh, okay uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I i should move closer but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I grew up by the water. As, as kids, we lived by the water. So that, that's just what I'm used to. And uh, I think until the day I die, I'll, I'm not near the water right now. near the Brisbane River, uh, yeah. which is, for anyone who doesn't know, Brisbane City is about 30 minutes from the coast uh so we're an inland city well inland is in 30 minutes drive um but yeah living by the water there's just something magical about it it's, yeah, um, it's like explaining to someone who hasn't got a dog you, know, you come home from work and the dog's happy to see you you live by the water and it's just a great place to be
0: absolutely <laughs> absolutely so what tips have you got for someone just starting out in landscape photography
1: i, I think um do your own thing um uh certainly look at other people and find photos you like but just take your own photos and 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 take lots of them and and just practice and practice and practice works work out what works for you what doesn't work for you and if you find something you like a genre you like be it black and white be it minimalist be it macro whatever it might be just have fun doing it. Um, I, I, I'm, I've never been a professional photographer where it's meant it's my wage, so I haven't had those pressures. And I imagine that's like any other job, it's hard yakker um, because you've, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the dollar. For me, it's a hobby and an interest, albeit I, I still think my photography is at a level that is professional, but that is not my full time job. so um i I think just to 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 get to the level you're at now some of my mates who aren't photographers take fantastic phones with their samsung and their apple camera phones they take great sorry great photos and and when you look on that little screen it's as good as my whatever five thousand dollar nikon is and they're happy with that. So that's great. So yeah, just get out and shoot and, and don't be worried about the technology. Um, find the one that the camera that you can afford, that's, that's going to be, um, you know, what's the best camera, the one you've got with you, but don't get caught up in the technology. Yeah. Um, yes, there might be some advantages into having bigger gear, but now I've got a backpack with you know, my, my, my body, my lenses, and I'm carting a lot of weight and again for some of the shots you know if they're only someone looking at an Instagram whether I've taken it with my my Nikon um, DSLR or took it with my little uh, mobile phone no one would know I don't think most people would know or care for that Or care for that matter yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly so I I just think get out to do it and practice and immerse yourself in in the in the aspects of photography that you like. And if you want to learn, there's so much to learn online and, and by just bumping into people, other photographers, most photographers are happy to share. They'll say, oh, I'm using an ND filter. What's that? Oh, you know, I'll tell you um, the other thing I'll, I would advise or advise, I, I would suggest if people are really getting into photography, look at some workshops um, now that it's a cost. But do your due diligence on the workshops you go into. You know, there's I'm, um, I'm, I don't know everyone who offers ph- photography workshops. On it, but I'm guessing there's a full spectrum, like everyone else, from genuine, passionate, professional people yep. that will do everything, through those that just want your money and will run. But yep. find find someone who you think might be good you know ask about look for online reviews because what i have found from my experience is i've learned a lot from the facilitator but i've learned just as much from the other participants Uh, and it might be just another participant asking a question that i had never even thought of but that was my takeaway from the whole thing that question and the answer was actually, you know, that was the big thing from it. So, um, if you want to grow and learn, um, don't be backward in um, signing up to a workshop, be it you know, a half day session that might be a city walk or it could be a tour overseas that's with like minded people. Um, just do your due diligence first to see what you're in for and the pricing and everything else. But certainly, it served me well. I don't do it often, but um, um, I'm not backward in saying I'm still learning, and, and um, I, was, well, I haven't done one since COVID, obviously. But um, I would have done one before, you know, up until the end of COVID, up until COVID came, so 2018 or 2019, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed the learning experience, enjoyed the other people, and um, learned a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great advice. I think. Thank you. So are there any particular ph- photographers that are uh, catching your eye at the moment and that I should be talking to on the podcast?
1: Um, I'll have to have a think about that. You, you, you said that it was something of interest and right off the top of my head, I don't, I don't have any, um, names that jump out at me and that's a shame because there's just so many people I, I i follow on instagram that i i you know i think take great photos for me that i really enjoy uh, some are professional and some some i don't think are um full-time photographers sorry some are full-time photographers some aren't full-time photographers that's perhaps a better way uh but i'll have to have a think and um maybe i can um send yeah. a list or put some names down and you can attach it to somehow uh get it across because uh um, i I'm, i immerse myself regularly on a on maybe a daily basis but certainly on a weekly basis looking at other people's imagery but i think also the thing that as i'm speaking comes to mind sometimes these people are geographically based so yep spoke about the uh, Faroe Islands and you now I said the Scottish Highlands some of the photographers up there I love the scenes of those windswept beaches and the the grass reeds and whatever is happening in the sky and the sea and that sort of thing I find very pleasing to my eye so I suppose I naturally gravitate to that sort of photography yeah. and those photographers um, again some do it better than other in my opinion but that sort of stuff I, I do enjoy. Yeah,
0: totally agree
1: all right mate uh i've got
0: one more question for you and it's uh possibly the most important one do you like pineapple on pizza
1: sorry could you say that again do you like pineapple on pizza uh yes my first my first my first um, pizza ever was a Hawaiian. that's uh, that's whether that's, I grew up in Melbourne full of Italians and um, Italian pizzas, and my first pizza was a Hawaiian pizza as a, a young teenager, and I loved it.
0: <laughs> uh, fantastic. Thank you for that. Well, thanks very much uh, for taking the time, Craig. It's been fantastic learning a bit more about you and uh, how you do what you do.
1: Where can people find your work? Thank you, Grant, for the opportunity today. Um, if anyone's interested looking at my work, I'm on Instagram, cmac6248, and I've also got my own website, which is Craig Mag- I'll start that again, craigmcgowanphotography.com. Uh, it's a, a, a typing thing, but if you put it in the search engine, it will pop up.
0: Brilliant. Uh, thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook as, as well as YouTube. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.